0: Hello and welcome to episode 229 of Section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley. As always, joined by Bryson and Jacob. It was a good series until the last game. The Blue Jays dropped the series finale 11-0 to to the Tampa Bay Rays, but they still take three of five in a big five-game series as we head down the stretch in September. Bryson, Jacob, how are you guys?
1: We're doing good, or at least I'm doing good. We are going to ignore, that's what I was trying to say, we are going to ignore the finale today, and we're going to just kind of... You know, look at the other four games that happened in this series. Like you said, 3 out of 5, a successful series, of course. Today, Winning today, though, on uh, Thursday, that would have definitely been good, winning 4 out of 5. That would have made you feel even better. But the fact you come away 3 out of 5, you know, you make some ground up on the Rays in the wildcard race. And now, basically, um, the Jays and the Mariners are in a virtual tie almost right now for first place. So things are even tighter than they were at the beginning of this series against the Rays. And it just shows how important this was taking 3 out of 5.
2: And and I mean, at this point, you have now separated yourselves in the last couple weeks from the Orioles and now the Rays. And it's okay. It's only half a game, but at the end of the day, half a game, a full game that matters. And you still have another four games against the Rays after a couple more series, but these games are starting to wind down. And what did I say yesterday or the last time we recorded, you have to win every single series going forward, or at least almost all of them. They won this series and ideally you ended a little bit better, but I still think it was a good series overall.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you're both pretty happy with the result of this, despite the final game. And I think I'm right there with you. I mean, overall, it was a good series. When you look at where these two teams are, obviously, like the Rays came into this series struggling after that uh series in the Bronx for them against the Yankees that just went totally south, especially in terms of pitching for them in the final two games of that series. Um, But all things considered, the Rays are a very good team. The Blue Jays are a very good team. And when those two teams collide someone's going to win some games someone's going to lose some games and ultimately i think you know if they play one more game of their series maybe the rays win and it's 3 and 3 if you flip a coin maybe it goes 2 and 3 maybe that's the split that the blue jays have against the rays so these are two very evenly matched teams and taking 3 of 5 you got to be pretty happy with that as much as i wanted my prediction of 4 or 5 to come true and it almost did until the disaster Today on Thursday, as we record this, Um, we know what our general impressions of this series are. I want to take it game by game, and especially starting with Alec Manoa. We know he made headlines for basically waking up at two a.m. and having a debilitating stomach bug, as we understand it. He is not feeling well at all. He calls the team doctors. He calls the training staff, the manager. He gets the ball rolling. Um, we find out that, you know, probably nine or 10 AM it gets released that, yeah, he's dealing with this thing. He's been scratched. He gets replaced last minute. Um, and then it's kind of a guessing game for the rest of the day as to whether he'll start the last game of the doubleheader And turns out he does. He recovers in time. He gets fluid and food in him and he pitches a gem for the Blue Jays and, I don't know how much help Alec Manoa needs right now in building his reputation and his status as a pitcher that is not only just a rock of a rotation, but one of the best pitchers in the American League, one of the best pitchers in baseball, and one of the most entertaining guys to watch. But this start goes a long way towards building the legend of Alec Manoa. Um, If you needed any other reason to support Alec Manoa and cheer for him as a fan— he just gave you the flu game, and this is a game I feel like we're going to be referring to for a while, even if it wasn't actually like all that spectacular. Like He's had other performances like this all season, but when you consider everything that's going on with him, what's going on with the Blue Jays, how dark of a spot they could have been in if they had to go to two bullpen games back-to-back, um, this just goes to show how much the legend of Alec Minoa can grow, and I think it grew a lot this week, and... What he's doing this season, what he's doing on the field is so, so impressive.
2: Well, keep in mind, he still only had a handful of minor league innings that he actually was able to get through. Like he just
0: 37, he rushed. 37, I think. Yeah,
2: he, it was something like that. We we did Alec Manoa watch and it lasted like two weeks or something like that. Like he, he just came up here out of nowhere and is one of the best pitchers in baseball, like you said, and he's probably not going to win the Cy Young. I think there's a few other people who will get it over him, but if you're looking at somebody who isn't necessarily going to win Cy Young, but you want on your team, this is somebody that you want. And we're talking about it. I think both Dan and Buck or whoever was calling that one of the, I don't remember which game it was, but one of the games during this series, they were talking about the different options that the Blue Jays would have that they'd face in the wild card and, or in that wild card series, naming the top three pitchers for the Mariners and the, the Orioles, if that happens, or the Rays and things like that. And they were saying that, yeah, you know you're gonna face some good teams if you're or good good pitching staffs in those wild card games, but if you have a pitching staff like the Blue Jays, you have that one two three punch of Manoa, Gosman, and even Ross Stripling. Honestly, you can consider this rotation. You know, maybe it's not the best in baseball, but if you're looking at a wild card series, I think that Alec Manoa is one of the reasons why this is probably a guaranteed quality start after quality start in that series. And you know, even you look at these numbers. A 2.43 ERA on the entire season. That, like, even better than he was last season. And it's just, to me, it's just a little bit mind-boggling. He's consistently giving the team a chance to win. And he's pitched in every single start this season through five innings. So he's at least giving you that halfway mark of the game. He's getting you through, you know, the minimum that you need to at least qualify for a win. But to me, the he's just came out of absolute nowhere. And I think now, you know, if you're looking at guys that you need to extend long-term... Maybe it's a little too early for this, or maybe this offseason is a little too early, but Alec Manola is somebody that if you're going to lock somebody up, you're, you're going to take a pitcher, you're going to lock them up. I think it has to be somebody like this, because he's proven that he can dominate at any point in the season, whether he's fresh out of the gate in, in April, whether it's the dog days of August, whether it's a playoff race, like he says, I'll give myself 80-85% of my abilities in the earlier parts and then ramp it up in the later parts of the game. Like, to me, that's just big-name pitcher written all over it, and I don't know... Like, part of me is, is shocked that we still have to say this. Like, I don't know how he did this, but at the same time, I think it's a reality. Alec Manoa is one of the premier pitchers in baseball right now, and to say that he came out of the Blue Jays' farm system, I think that's even better. Like, it's it's great to go and trade for somebody, but to, for out of nowhere, to develop a pitcher like this, especially, nobody really heard of him. At least, I didn't really hear about him for a couple of years. It was all, oh, Nate Pearson, he's going to come up, and... They drafted TJ Zoic, and unfortunately, none of those guys have really panned out the way that you wanted them to. TJ Zoic's not really in the organization anymore, but Alec Manoa just came up out of just random rumors that, oh, he's going to pitch in double A, whatever, and now he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. And to do it with a stomach bug, I don't really think anybody else can, on the planet could do that. Like even Justin Verlander, I know he obviously had Tommy John surgery, but. I don't think anybody else could do that. And and the Rays are a good team. It's not like he just won against the Orioles, who unfortunately might not have much to live for in terms of playoff hopes anymore, or any bad team. Like, this is a good team in the thick of a playoff race, and that was, what, game three of the series? So they're still in it. And he just he completely dominated them, and I think his next start might be against the Rays as well. Either that... I Actually, no, I think it's against the Orioles, that series finale. So it'll be a good, you know he well-deserved rest for him, but he is just proving time and time again that just when you think that, oh, maybe his innings limit is starting to creep up on him, maybe he's not going to pitch anymore, he just proves everyone wrong, and he wants to be there for the team, and I just, I can't wait to see him in one of those games, you know, whether it's in Toronto, whether it's in Seattle, or wherever, but if he, if he is, or if the Blue Jays make the playoffs, he is getting a guaranteed game. Like, the, he's not your Game 3 pitcher. He is guaranteed pitching because he gives you a win no matter what.
1: Well, yeah, definitely, obviously. uh, g- Definitely a guaranteed game. And, of course, you know, you got to give respect to Michael Jordan and Jacob. Of course, he was the one that also did this, too, with the flu game. And that's why we renamed the flu game after what Michael Jordan did. So there's another guy that's done it for you, of course. So there you go.
2: But I genuinely Al- didn't know that. Like, oh.
0: I, I thought, I'm, not surp- I'm not surprised i'm not surprised it's fine though but <laughs> i'm kidding but no, Jacob, yeah. i knew it- that and i'm <laughs> not much of an nba fan
2: i genuinely thought flu game was like a squid game reference like i'm oh, i'm
0: gonna get no. i'm oh, i am i am going to get i do not even God. want to look at the youtube comments uh, later okay, okay have on. you watched uh unrelated have you watched the last dance yet
1: <laughs> do you even know what the last dance is
2: <laughs> it's something about like not Uh, About Michael Jordan, but I and
1: I I haven't watched it. I don't know know that that much. I'm gonna gonna kick kick you from the call after this conversation. (laughs) The fact that this is gonna stay on too, Jacob. Nice job. You just embarrassed yourself. (laughs) Anyways, uh, with Alec Manoa, I mean everything you said though, Jacob, was absolutely true. I mean everything that we expected out of him. Everything kind of grows with the expectation level. This guy, we know what he brings to the table, and the fact that he was able to do it, it definitely shows you though, out of this starting rotation. Going on to what you said, if there there's a guy that's going to do it, it's Alec Manoa. And it was just kind of nerve wracking. And Mark, you were talking about it too uh, when you introduced it. Is that like we go through the morning, we know it's a doubleheader. Uh, we know that game one was supposed to be Alec Manoa. We know that game two is supposed to be Mitch White and then some sort of bullpen game. And then we get some sort of, you know, I guess right when the lineups actually came out is when you saw Julian Merriweather kind of post on the lineup card. And that's immediate confusion, you know. At first, maybe you think, okay, maybe they just swapped Alec to game two, which they did. But at the time, we didn't know about you know waking up with the flu and waking up at two a.m. You know, full of. Fluids at the ballpark, just kind of you know, kind of being out of it uh totally, just in all aspects. But the fact that he was out of it, like we were saying, and the fact that he was dealing with all this, and he was able to go for game two, which was really helpful, obviously because you were talking about it. Going to two straight bullpen games on a doubleheader is not ideal whatsoever. I don't know how the Jays would have gotten through the series. I don't even know how they would have gotten through that or I don't even know what the plan B was if Alec Manoa wasn't able to go. So that's something that we'll never have to know, and kind of, quite frankly, a little too afraid to know of if what, what the plan would have been if Alec Manoa wasn't able to go. But, I mean, even for somebody who was completely out of it and somebody who still didn't have his best stuff, I think that's fair to say, he still got through it with a quality start. And the fact that his stuff is so good... Uh, where he can battle through like this and get quality starts and still put up a really good box score um, or just a pitching line in general, it just shows how talented he is. And this hasn't been the only time this year. There's been a couple, you know, instances throughout the summer where his stuff just in general hasn't been there. But the fact is, even if he has his B stuff, he's, you know, powering through and he's getting through the lineup and he's still putting up a really good start. And of course, that's obviously very helpful for the team. So in a series with low runs as well, uh, despite obviously game. It was Game Four, of course, um, when the Jays kind of took off in that seventh inning. It was crucial for them, you know, to put up all the or to have these pitching performances, of course, because you look at, for instance, you Game One was three-two. Uh, game Two was four-two for Tampa. The first game of the doubleheader obviously didn't go too well. Uh, or sorry, yesterday with Ross Stripling again, that was when they took off in the seventh inning. But for the doubleheader games, uh, the first game was four-two, like I mentioned, and then of course the second game uh, with Alec Manoa pitching, the Jays were able to get through as well in the seventh inning once again, and they were able to win seven two so it just shows how important it was limiting Tampa Bay to these runs because of course Tampa also had some really good starts today and you look at Shane McClanahan start today um they have a really good team as well, and we know how good their pitch can be for anybody that throws on a Tampa Bay Rays uniform. We know the story about how they instantly become just somebody on a different level in terms of their talent and all that. So it was an important series. We knew the implications, and of course with Alec Manoa, we know um, in terms of how much he's dependent on in this rotation. You know, he can make the argument he is the top guy right now, and you were talking about a playoff star, Jacob. Perhaps this is a conversation we're getting into later, but it'll be interesting to see how many of us, or out of all of us, who have him game one. Of course, the other option would be somebody like Kevin Gosman. I'll save that for later, but like you said, a staple in the playoff rotation, a guy that uh, you you feel like is built for the playoffs as well. Uh, You just, every time he goes out there, no matter the circumstances, this one was a new one in terms of waking up with a stomach or just a flu bug or whatever the heck it was in his stomach. And the fact that he was able to put up the start, he did, that was a new one in terms of us even building our confidence even higher and higher, just showing truly how good this guy really is, um, you know, just at what he does. So I mean, it's something that we expected, and again, the circumstances made it even better. It was the flu game, Alec Manoa version, and the fact that he was able to pitch that well, uh, despite not feeling good, is was a massive bonus for this series because, of course, it was one of the deciding factors of why this team won three out of four or three out of five. Of course, you can nitpick at different or you know other uh, games that they lost, the other two games that they lost, but quite frankly, if he wasn't able to go in that game two of that doubleheader, we have no idea how the series would have ended in terms of just the pitching situations, and we obviously not a guarantee that the Jays would have won that game.
0: Yeah, I think you look at it realistically, there's pretty good odds that the Jays lose that game if Alec Manoa isn't starting. So then you're talking about taking two of five, and then you're also looking at the ramifications for the bullpen having to pitch a whole other game. You're maybe looking at one of five, and when you get to that conversation of falling, that's what, three games behind the Rays if you lose four or five games – that's not a great situation to be in compared to where we are now with the Jays. Yeah, it's marginal, but they're a half game up on Tampa Bay. So that's a huge swing in momentum and a huge swing in the way the standings shape up just based on that one game. And yeah, maybe we're reading too much into it. Maybe someone comes out of the bullpen and surprises us, kind of like what Mitch White did in game one. And I want to get to that in a second. But bottom line, the start from Alec Manoa, him being available on the mound, saved the Blue Jays a bunch. And we can't overstate how important that game was. I do want to talk about Mitch White, though, because in Game 1, he did come through big for the Blue Jays. And you look at that Game 1 outing, the Blue Jays didn't have to use much of their bullpen because of Mitch White. And yeah, Julian Merriweather wasn't sharp early on, and certainly White wasn't sharp in the early innings of his bulk outing, I guess, if you want to call that. But he settled down and he was able to give the Blue Jays real innings in a situation where they really needed it, you know, unsure of what's going to happen in game two. So I just want to give him some love in this conversation as well because as disastrous as that day had the potential to be, Mitch White was a big reason along with Alec Manoa why it wasn't. So I want to give him some love as well. Um, Quickly before we move on, Alec Manoa, Jacob, you mentioned this word, Cy Young. He's certainly in the conversation, but I think he's more of a long shot the way things stand right now. We know Shane McClanahan, who started today against the Jays and shut them down. He is right now kind of leading that conversation. The recent stint on the IL hurts it a bit, but he was able to basically just be on it for the minimum 15 days. So I think he still probably has the best shot of anyone in the American League to win it. Justin Verlander is also kind of the one A, one B to Shane McClanahan. Um he's been phenomenal. The old man just keeps doing it year in and year out. It's kind of ridiculous. But um I think those are the two names leading the conversation, to be honest. I see Alec Manoa maybe getting some, you know, second and third place votes or, you know, probably more likely third place votes, but I think Justin Verlander and Shane McClanahan are going to finish one and two. I don't know what order they'll be in. I think if I was betting, I'd say McClanahan one, Verlander two, and then Manoa three. And I think you know there are other guys who are playing into that conversation as well. Dylan Cease is a guy whose name is brought up a lot. He's having a phenomenal season. So I don't know. I think I see Manoa more as a number three guy instead of one or two, which is kind of disappointing, but I think that's just the reality of the situation right now.
2: Yeah, it's unfortunate that you're not going to get recognized I mean, he'll get recognized in terms of second and third place votes for sure. I'm sure he'll get some second place votes. I'm not going to, or maybe even some first place, but it's, it is what it is. I mean, you're honestly, if I was a pitcher or if I was, you know, playing in a team sport, honestly, I'd rather that World Series trophy than I would the personal trophies. That's just me. I don't know. But I think if, if we can look at anything, it's just, I honestly, I don't care if Alec Manoa doesn't win the Cy Young. I think all I want to see is him pitching, in some type of meaningful game some type of sold out crowd at the Rogers Center deep into October and yeah it'll be nice to see it I mean it was cool to see Robbie Ray do it last season it will be great absolutely but and I think he will win one eventually in his career especially if if this trajectory continues the way it is but it is what it is it's almost like Vladdy last year where he's having such a good season but there's that one extra guy that's like oh come on why can't you be in the National League and it is what it is but I mean like I said, I'd r- I'd rather see him pitching deep into October than I would, uh, you know, in the type of situation where he's it's focusing on the on the uh, the personal numbers.
1: Yeah, I mean, with Alec Manoa, uh, it's definitely, it first of all, the fact that he could get recognition, uh, for Cy Young votes is definitely something. Again, it it just says enough about how good he's been in year three, uh, or sorry, year two for him. Of course, his first full season, so. You know, I don't think any of us are expecting him to win the award from what you were saying, Mark, but the fact that you might get recognition from him or at least he will, you know, get some uh, votes, I think he definitely will, maybe not a whole lot, but he's definitely going to get recognition for that. Um, it It just says enough about how you know, how good he's been and how dominant he's been. Again, this is a guy that's been relied on pretty much. Maybe not, you know, of course, on paper in terms of, I guess, the depth chart at the beginning of the year and starting rotation. No. um, You know, as he was at the back end of the rotation, the fact that he slowly moved his way up and just is continuing to pitch where he did last year, which is even more impressive. You know, all the innings that he's going through this year, of course, there's not, hasn't been any setbacks with him, which is really good. There's, you know, no innings limits. Of course, he wants to pitch deep in games. He definitely has the potential to do it. You know, we were talking, about it in terms of a guy to pitch a complete game. Uh, I think all of our money is on Alec Manoa right now because he has definitely the potential to do it. He wants to do it. And there's been so many times this season where he could have done it, you know, barring any managerial change or just being so close to, you know, being so close to doing it. He was pretty much, you know, a few times only one inning away. So that's just exactly. Um, just shows you how good he's been. And he definitely gets recognition for that, though, in terms of Cy Young votes. We're not expecting him to win it, like you were mentioning, Jake, with Robbie Ray last year. But I think to get some recognition, of course, you know, first of all, as a team leader for that, he definitely has. But in terms of league wide, getting his name out there. And of course, you know, we've seen it, you know, different points of the year as well. You know, he had the All Star game where he was able to get in an appearance there and kind of, you know, prove himself as well to the baseball world. I think that's really cool that he's starting to show more than, I guess, the Blue Jays fan base, and it's starting to spread th- towards the rest of uh, baseball's fan base, and it's really cool that you're having a, a young guy like him, of course, who's going to be under contract here for a long time, who is at the top of that and in the conversations of that all the time, and it gets you excited for, you know, Years coming up, in terms of hopefully consistently being at the top of that list, being the guy in all those considerations in terms of votes and just recognition. It gets you really excited for the future. And first of all, you feel really good that he's going to be a Blue Jay for a long time.
0: Let's keep with the theme of starting pitching because there's another guy in the Jays' rotation that's also getting a lot of love and rightfully so. That's Ross Stripling. And we've had this conversation before, but the topic of the potential of the Blue Jays to, whether it's extending Ross Stripling or offering him the qualifying offer or signing him to a deal in the offseason, it's gaining a lot of traction. And I don't think the question is, should the Blue Jays do it or not? Because based on Ross Stripling's performance this year, that's pretty clear. But the question is now becoming, um, how much do you give him? What's the offer? And to be honest, I don't think the Blue Jays at this point in the year with The season Ross Stripling is having, I don't see there being any sort of um, progress towards an extension. And, you know, the Blue Jays front office is not like the Atlanta Braves front office. They're not extending guys left and right. We haven't seen them extend anyone outside of Matt Chapman. And even Matt Chapman, who's just buying out arbitration years. So, I really don't see it happening before the end of the season. But when it comes to qualifying offer, I think we were kind of on the fence when we talked about this a couple months ago. But I don't know about you, Bryson. Um, I was a little bit on the fence. My mind is certainly in the camp where the Blue Jays have to offer him that. Um, it's probably going to work out to about 18 or $19 million for the qualifying offer this year. And for the way that Ross Stripling has been pitching, the rock that he has become in the Blue Jays rotation, the way that he is legitimately going toe-to-toe with guys like Kevin Gosman and Alec Manoa and pitching better than a guy like Jose Barrios who is signed to a $130 million extension. um, Ross Stripling deserves $19 million in one year, period. I have no doubts about that. The only thing is, the question then becomes, does Ross Stripling accept a $19 million one-year offer from the Blue Jays? And I think the answer to that has also become pretty clear, and I think the answer is no. Ross Stripling is having the best season ever, he has ever had in his career. He's hitting free agency for the first time. I don't know why he would only take a one-year deal when he will likely have on the table, I think, a good variety of options for him. I mean, you look at his age, he's 32. Yes, you can say maybe he's exiting his prime seasons, but he just had the best season of his career, is still having the best season of his career. So I think the possibility that he um, continues to pitch that way, that he signs a multi-year, a big deal, with a team in the offseason is too big for him to take a one-year deal. What's the size of that deal? That net then becomes a question. How much do the Blue Jays have to offer to be competitive in a market for Ross Stripling? And assuming you guys are with me this far and agreeing what I've said so far, that then becomes a question. How much do the Blue Jays have to offer Ross Stripling make, to make a competitive offer that he would accept? And is it worth it at that point? Is that much money worth it for a guy like Ross Stripling? So the number I'm going to throw at you guys is is three years, $50 million. So that works out to, you know, just doing math at the top of our heads, which is not the wisest idea. 16 slash $17 million a year over three years. I think that's pretty reasonable for a guy like Ross Stripling. Whether that, that is convincing enough for him to sign with the Blue Jays, I don't know. I think he would probably get better offers elsewhere. And even if it's not better average annual value, I think he would be getting offers that are longer term. And I think at this point in his career, that's probably what he's looking for. He's probably looking for a four or five year deal that basically takes him most of the way to the end of his career that he can bank on. So I think he's looking more at raw numbers, raw value rather than average annual value. So, I think the Blue Jays should offer three years fifty million dollars. Whether Stripling takes it is another conversation, but that's where I'm at with a Ross Stripling extension slash qualifying offer slash free agency talks.
2: Well, see, funny enough, I was gonna offer fifty five million over those three seasons, because to me, realistically, that seems kind of like what he should get or what you know, what the Blue Jays reasonably would offer him. Do I do I think he accepts it? I mean I would hope so, but who knows, it depends on what the rest of the offers are, I mean, if he's offered something like Kevin Gosman, or maybe, maybe not that type of deal, but you know what I mean, like 20 million for four or five seasons, absolutely take that, and you know, you'd be an idiot not to, but I think, honestly, if, if the Blue Jays are willing to do that, you know, when I said, so 55 years, or 55 million dollars over 18, or sorry, $55 Fifty-five million dollars over three seasons, man. I got distracted so bad there. But so eighteen and a third million per season. If you want to give him eighteen million for four years or five years, maybe not five years, but you know, give him give him eighteen million over four seasons, seventy-two million dollars. Honestly, I would do that. And if that's what it takes to bring Ross Stripling back, why not? You know. And the thing we need to consider here, Kevin Gosman's not going to be here forever. Yes, he has four more seasons left, but we need to consider. But look, look at. What happened with Hyunjin Ryu? This season and next season are done. You need somebody in your rotation. Like, regardless of if you have Brios, Gosman, and Manoa next season, you like literally need somebody else in your rotation. So I think you have to look into bringing Ross Stripling back. And yeah, you can say say Kikuchi will bounce back, but you still need somebody else. You, don't, you can't have four pitchers in your rotation. You know what I mean? So I think you absolutely need to get Ross Stripling back. And here's the thing. Blue Jays have... I know their competitive window is sort of just started, ish. You know, it's it's not it's not at the beginning, but it's closer to the middle uh, than than we're thinking. If you give him four or five seasons uh, or four or five season season contract, that probably brings you towards the end of your competitive schedule. So why not? You know what I mean? He can <laughs> he can stay a Blue Jay <laughs> for the uh, duration of that contract, and then or for the duration of how good they'll be, and then. If it works out, it works out. And then you have, you know, a solid 1 through 4 potentially, or 1 through 3, depending on what happens with the rest of the rotation. But I think you have to look into this. He is a guy, and I've been saying this all season long, and, you know, maybe I'll bring it up later in the episode if we discuss what I think we're going to discuss, but Ross Stripling is this team's MVP right now. Without him, rotation would be in an, an absolute shambles. Y- you can rely on Manoa all you want. Gosman's home and away splits are just absolutely ridiculous. Same thing with Barrios. Those two have had. Gosman's obviously better, but it's been a bit of a roller coaster for both of them, just not to the extent of uh, of Manoa or uh, Gosman. But you know what I mean? Without Ross Stripling in your rotation, it easily could have been a very, very rough, se- rough trade deadline for them, and it could have been a rough season so far. But with somebody like Ross Stripling, I think he's underappreciated by the casual fans because people are like, oh, you know, he's having a good season. But when you really think about what he's doing, He has kind of saved this rotation and bullpen from just being an absolute mess. And going into the playoffs, I think he is somebody that you can definitely rely on. And for the next few seasons, I would love to rely on him in that rotation because he's proved that he is truly valuable for him.
1: It's an interesting conversation, and it's definitely began to, I guess, resurface over the last couple of weeks, and it's kind of been something that, I guess, the entire second half of the season's also been pretty much up to mind, but we spoke about this, of course, before the All-Star break. I think it was before, or it was close to after. It was one of the two, but it was a question that you did ask, Mark, in terms of a qualifying offer, or would you extend either or, and yeah, we were pretty much all on the, the fence about that, at least you and I were. I can't remember what Jacob, where Jacob stood on that, but I think... I, I agree with you on the fact that I think we're getting to the point uh, where a qualifying offer is might be the best like course of action in terms of doing anything you can to bring him back. Um, I would definitely do it at this point right now. It just to me it just feels like the more he pitches well, and of course, you know you love the way he's pitching. But all I'm saying is it just feels like the more he pitches like this, the more and more likely he is not back with this team next year that's just the feeling I get I don't know of course I it's very you know at this point I highly doubt that there's going to be a contract extension you were talking about mark this is the first time he's going to the market he's most likely going to want to test uh the market and you know get a feel for what's out there for him so I mean of course there's a chance he completely avoids all that and takes qualifying offer absolutely but in the case where he doesn't, um, that's pretty much what's gonna happen. And of course, it's not impossible that the Jays don't bring him back. That's definitely gonna be something that is, of course, um, you know, something that they're definitely gonna probably be involved with in terms of conversations on that. And we know how the way or we know the way the qualifying offer works. If he ends up leaving, of course, the draft pick. So it's interesting because for me, it's it's hard to determine just his value on the market. I know you guys threw the numbers at me. I still just am not convinced fully that that is his value in terms of that just because of the fact that he's a swing man he can do both i just i don't have a good feeling about that before and i think that's something that but they brought I up as well i
0: don't think he is a swing man anymore like he's been in the rotation since may and you look at his stats he has a seven and three record winning record doesn't matter but he has a 2.47 era and a 0.88 whip over 16 starts since taking over Hinge and Ryu, so I don't think he's really going to be considered a swingman any, anymore. I think but he's team, done it before,
1: but and but he's I'm got saying tons like, of experience.
0: But you can't pay him as if he's still a swingman. Like he's going well, to. Well, that's the I, question. I think he's going to get paid like a mid to high end starter just because yeah. of what he's done this year.
1: And that's the question in terms of if if you are, and of course, most likely after the season you are. But the fact is. The history, of course, as a swingman, it just it it complicates things for me, and I I don't know. In terms of a three year deal, I think I'm actually going to disagree with both of you. I wouldn't give him a three year deal. I'm well at this point, not right now. I'm not fully convinced on it. I just. I don't, as much as I love the way he's been pitching this year, I don't know. Maybe it's the fact of the, you know, the past couple of contracts that the Jays have given out to starting pitchers that hasn't worked out. You talk about Yusei Kuchi, you talk about Hunjin Ryu. The other thing is, it's not just that. Of course, if he does deserve that, he does deserve that. But I just look at this from a whole bigger perspective in terms of, if you're going to spend money on Ross Stripling, we talked about it in terms of all, you know, basically then your entire starting five or at least four people for sure are locked up long term. You have the Yusei Kikuchi contract. You have the Hyunjin Ryu contract. Teoscar Hernandez has to get paid. Lourdes Guerrero Jr. Jr.'s up. Bo Bichette's got to get extended. Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s got to get extended. There's a lot of question marks in terms of how they're going to spread out this money or how they're going to kind of get these guys paid, get these guys signed. That's all I'm saying. If that's a way or that's a reason why they don't give Ross Stripling a potential contract offer, or at least go to that extent in terms of three years, I think that's a pretty reasonable explanation to why, as much as it might be nothing against his performance. Of course, he's going to get, no matter where he goes, if he comes here or stays here, he goes somewhere else, he definitely deserves it left, right, and center. And you're going to be nothing but happy for him when he gets that contract. From the Blue Jays' perspective, I just there's question marks, I think, for that before... I would have a clear cut answer or a clear cut opinion supporting the idea of giving him that amount of money because we don't know um, what's going to happen with Yusei Kikuchi. We have to assume he's going to be back next year. I mentioned the other guys, and of course, the young guys are soon up to get paid. And I talked about the other guys that are pretty much due in a couple years. To me, it's just, it hasn't been determined yet because nothing or none of that that I've mentioned has gotten done yet. So that's why it just, to me, it's a little bit more complex than I think, or than you think about it for that one. But of course, the other thing is if you look at it from another perspective, if you let Ross Stripling go, then you have three starters that are locked in, in terms of guys that you're you're comfortable with. And then you have a whole, like not only your fifth starter with Yusei Kikuchi, because of course that contract is just getting started as well. You also have a whole at the four spot. Then you're left wondering what they're going to do, you know, come spring training next year. And, you know, it, You know, If they go out and get somebody cheaper, I don't know. But all I'm saying is it creates another hole for your team. And that's the other perspective of it. But in terms of a qualifying offer, I would give it to him. I'd be prepared if he would take it. I'd also be prepared if he wouldn't take it. Um, And, of course, if he doesn't take it, I think, of course, you got to definitely entertain it. You definitely have to be trying to keep him. But I think there's a certain point where you go, and it's nothing against Ross Stripling. It's just I wouldn't overpay to keep Ross Stripling. That's all I'm saying. But, of course... Jacob you're completely right about him I think being the MVP of this rotation in terms of keeping it together in terms of making it perform the way it has been because they have he definitely has saved them a bunch so that's the one part where you completely acknowledge it and we're gonna have a good conversation about you know a potential playoff series and if you guys have him starting in one of those games I think I'm excited for that conversation but that's all I'm saying with ross stripling
2: one thing real quick the only thing here is we can easily get on the hype of you have to give him a three or four year contract but if it's one or two years i highly doubt he takes it. That's why i'm saying if you're going to that's extend thing, him, yeah. yeah, there's no chance he takes a two-year deal. And rightfully that's so. That's expected I, though. Yeah, yeah, no, but that's what i mean. That's why like you have kind of no choice but to give him three or four seasons because without that he's not going to take it.
0: But like i i understand as much as i disagree with it. Like i understand where you're coming from, Bryson, where you do at some point have to just cut your losses somewhere. Like you have so many players that are coming off the books over the next few years. And at some point you have to decide who you're going to pay and who you're going to let walk because you can't pay them all. And yeah, maybe in the moment it's a tough decision, but you pass on Ross Stripling because you would have to save that money to extend Teoscar Oscar Hernandez or extend Lourdes Goriel Jr. or dedicate it to a long-term extension to Alec Manoa or Vladdy or Bo. So I understand that part of it. But if we're just talking the worth of Ross Stripling, like how much is he worth to the Blue Jays? I think three years, $50 million, or even as you say, Jacob, three years, 55, 100%. I think he is worth that much as a starting pitcher. It's just, yeah, it complicates things when you start talking about, are the Blue Jays in a position where they can offer that to someone like Ross Stripling when they also have these other guys who are demanding their money? That's a totally fair argument to make. I just think if we're talking about how much he is worth as a starting pitcher on this market 100%. And maybe 355 is uh conservative after that. Like looking at those stats, 2.47 ERA across 16 starts and the thing that gets me, the 0.88 whip. That is like unheard of and I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm willing to bet that that is top 3 in the American League if not baseball as well as that ERA over that span for sure. So like when you're putting up numbers that are that good, I don't know. I just, I to me, he is worth a hell of a lot of money. It's just a question of whether the Blue Jays are in a position to offer that or not. So yeah, that's another conversation we have to ask. And I think it's it's hard to assess now when we don't totally know what the pitching market is going to shape up as. You look at some of the free agents that are set right now to hit the market, David Price, not really in the conversation, but he's the guy who's getting paid the most this year, just a holdover from that long contract he signed with Boston. Jacob deGrom hitting the free agent market, Chris Sale, Justin Verlander, Carlos Rodon, Noah Syndergaard, Charlie Morton, Chris Bassett, Adam Wainwright, Nate Evaldi, Clayton Kershaw, Aaron Nola, Luis Severino, Zach Greinke, Sonny Gray, Wade Miley. That's probably it in terms of Michael Wacca, maybe Jake Odorizzi, like those are the names that you're looking at. And I think when you compare, like obviously Ross Stripling isn't of the ilk of DeGrom or Verlander, even like Rodon or Sale to some extent, I know Sale injury, et cetera, et cetera, but I think a team would still be willing to pay him money. I think Ross Stripling slides just under that group. So that's the type of contract size that we're talking. So yeah, the position the Blue Jays are in, maybe you can offer him that. Maybe you save that money and prioritize it elsewhere. But I think if we're talking value alone, he deserves that money.
1: Yeah, that's that's obviously definitely a different conversation. So, I mean, look, they're, regardless if he takes that qualifying offer or not, they're going to be in the mix for him. And maybe they go three years. Maybe, you know, if if it's more term, maybe the dollar drops. I don't know. But, you know, it's I'm not saying, you know, they completely let him walk. And, of course, I know you guys know that. You're going to be involved with it. And I think you got to be, you definitely have to do everything you can or at least go to a certain level to try and keep him. Because, of course, he is valuable in this rotation. You talked about it. His worth is definitely there. He's been pitching lights out. I believe people compare him or they're comparing him to the 2015 Marco Estrada with that changeup. That's a fair comparison. And really, it feels like it's a similar kind of just story or just, a, it's a very accurate comparison in terms of not being you know that showcase name or being that you know that top name but at the same time you're in the middle of that rotation and you're just carving through lineups left right and center especially with that change up so that's where um i see it from there and of course i see the comparison it's going to be interesting i hope ross stripling stays for the right um or for the right price and of course for everything that's settled but of course that's a different conversation to what you were saying of course with the value and he's definitely important to this rotation i mean you pro- we pro- he proved it sorry this year with being that guy kind of stabilizing this rotation when 100 ryu went out because if it wasn't for ross stripling there would be a serious problem with this rotation and this is also a team that didn't add a starter at the, or, or at the trade deadline. Perhaps that would have forced them to do something, you know, a little bit more risky or whatever it is. You never know. But the fact that they were able to keep the team where they were or just make the rotation, stabilize it, like I think that's a good word to say, and of course, even over-exceed expectations from what he came in to do at the, at the beginning of this. This was a guy that came in through 40 pitches left he would go through the order once and slowly he'd build it up to twice through the order and now you're even seeing him go beyond that in terms of three times through the order or at least at the starting point of that so it just shows as well the responsibility that is gained through him uh, throughout the rest of the year as well
0: all right In keeping with our theme of starting pitching conversation for today we're going to wrap it up with a conversation that again we had earlier this year but I think it's time to revisit it the Blue Jays are right now heading for the wild card series. It's going to be a three-game series, assuming it goes that far. And you need three starters for those three games. Who are those three starters for the Blue Jays? When we had this conversation earlier this year, there was a serious debate between Ross Stripling and Jose Brios. I don't think there's a serious debate right now. I think the three starters are very clearly... Ross Stripling, Alec Minow, and Kevin Gosman. Maybe you two disagree with me. I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. But to me, it is repeat that, a repeat that. Those three The three starters would be Kevin Gosman, Alec Minow, and Ross Stripling. I and well, like really, the only debate is between Ross Stripling or Jose Brios. And to me, it's not much of a choice right now. Just the consistency of Ross Stripling. You cannot throw Jose Brios out there if he's on his stuff if he knows what he's doing, if he's not, you know, whatever it is, tipping pitches or out of his delivery or whatever it is, he's phenomenal. Like, he's among the best pitchers in baseball. But you just can't trust him to do that time in and time out. There's so much volatility in what he's done this year. And yeah, he's been better as of late, but I still trust Ross Stripling more to be consistent, to give you what you need in a game rather than Jose Brios, which seems like kind of a flip of a coin at this point. So that's my thoughts. I think it's, very clearly Ross Stripling's game to start if it goes to a game three. I'm curious if you guys think the same. And then the the added wrinkle out in this, what's the order that you roll these guys out in? Like if the Blue Jays win game one, does it it matter what games they win to rejig the rotation? Or is it static with just going one, two, three? Like do you start Alec Manoa one, Kevin Gosman two, Ross Stripling three? Do you swap Gosman and... Manoa, if the Blue Jays win game one, then game two is no longer a must win. So you put Stripling game two and then whoever's left over game three. I don't know. Talk, as you will, about the way the Blue Jays are shaping up their Wild Card series. Who should be the three starters and what order they should go in. What the approach for the Blue Jays should be in. Because I know what three starters I want, but in terms of who's starting what games, what approach the Jays should take, I have no idea.
2: So, I kind of teased this earlier. Game one, for me, without a doubt, is Ross Stripling. And this was... So, let me explain. What? Just, Ross just Stripling oh, game. one. Let, let, Whoa. let, I just listed let like, me explain.
0: <laughs> I just listed, like, every Whoa. possibility under the sun. Ross Stripling game one was not one of them. I love Ross Stripling, but game one? Oh, my What, are you God. putting in game three? Trust, just listen. No, I... Listen, the Blue
2: Jays are creative. Remember the time they put Matt Shoemaker, like, game yeah. one of— and how did and it that worked. go? They no, lost they the game, didn't. like, two to one. Yeah, they did. Matt was, was an opener.
0: exactly. He was an opener, and he was playing yeah. injured or whatever it was. But he pitched, they like, three scoreless innings. They lost. They had—it was Hindu th- Ryu, Ryu who didn't start, right? And he, he was saved. the second saved. game, and he got rocked. No, Ryu was being saved for game three. No, he was e-pitch game two. Walker was no shoemaker no, pitched game Mark's two. Mark's right.
1: Mark's right. They were saving. They went them. Walker
0: one, yeah. Schumacher, two, and then they were no, saving Ryu for three, but they never got to three. He was.
2: engine a... Ryu pitched game two. I he gave he up didn't. like a grand slam. Yes, he did. He, I swear. The Blue Jays. I swear. The Blue the Jays Bay pulled Ray- a. No. I'm on okay, it. Anyways, Bryson. Bryson, look this up. But let, just let me explain. I think Ross Stripling is the guy to open it. Like it's kind of like the Marco Estrada. It's not the the flashiest take but I think that if you're opening a playoff series Ross Stripling gets you on the right foot then you put Kevin Gosman like look at the end of the day like he he can pitch you you put him game one game two game three he's gonna give you a solid outing I think Kevin Gosman is your game two starter and then if you get to the scenario of Alec Manoa or needing a game three it's Alec Manoa if you win game two or if you win game one Maybe you put in Alec Manoa. I think, and I've said this all throughout the the season, really. I think Alec Manoa, he, he gives me a lot of Marcus Stroman vibes where he feeds off of that energy. And if it's an elimination game, he just ramps it up even more. I think Alec Manoa is an, an elimination game pitcher. Ideally, you save him for game three. But game one and two, to me, has to be Stripling and then Gosman. And as you can, I mean, you guys clearly were shocked when I said that. But, like, it makes, yeah. to me, it makes sense. Like, I trust him to go game one. Like if I, the way I look at it is, if I trust him to play an elimination game, I trust him to pitch in game one. And game two and three are elimination games, no matter what. You know what I mean? So, it it to me it makes it makes a lot of sense. Open the series with a solid outing from Ross Stripling, and then
0: you go from there. I'm so flabbergasted right now. But Bryson, how's our fact checking? Bambouzzled.
1: I have the results. <laughs> Um I don't have the box score but I do I, Jacob actually was right Hundred Ryu pitched game 2 uh when they lost 8 to 2. Game 1 I think was Shoemaker opening up okay. or whatever that was and Robbie so Ray was actually roll. charged with the loss. But look.
0: So but, I don't, well then they were they were saving Taiwan Walker for game 3 I guess. That's what that's what it was. Yeah, they so were so saving that was saving him. That's mistake. what that's what yeah. it was. Yes.
2: Okay, but then yeah, but I don't think Stripling... Would, but to be fair, they lost... It's they, the same they were, thing, Jay. It's, it's best two out of three. No, like, but, we're they, back are, but they were Alec blown Manoa. out game two. You no, sorry. The Blue if Jays. they win game one, they can put Manoa game
0: two. But Jacob, like, Jacob, Jacob. You are saving Alec Manoa for a game that may never happen. You are pulling no. a Buck Shaw Walter and Ubaldo Jimenez in the 2016 Wildcard game. You're saving Alec Manoa for a game that the Blue Jays may never get to because they lose game one and two.
2: I no, don't. They can I put cannot him game wrap two. my head
0: around this. No,
2: they can, if they win game one, or if they, if they feel the need to do it, they can put Manoa game two.
0: No, no, no. But you're you're suggesting oh, that's, Ross Stripling game one, but and yeah, the but Blue then Jays what lose game one. I'm not so saying they lose you put, game one. Who do you you're put saying game... don't?
1: He's saying don't. You're not deciding on a game two starter until after game one. That's what he's okay, saying. Okay,
0: but wh- okay. So Ross Stripling goes game one. Yeah. If the Blue Jays win, who goes game two? I think you put Manoa. If the Blue Jays lose, who goes game two?
1: I don't like this, Jacob. I'm sorry. Possibly Manoa. If you
0: lose... No, to me, it makes more sense... Well, I want Manoa... In the wild, wild world, you're starting stripling in game one. Game two should be Manoa if you lose because then it's a must-win game. If you win game one, then to me, you... To me, okay. In my mind, it should be Kevin Gosman game one. If you win game one, you put Ross Stripling game two because it's no longer a must-win game. If you lose game one, you put Alec Manoa game two because then it's a must-win game. If you lose, your season is over. So you need Alec Manoa in that game two. So that's how I I guess I would put Gosman one and then, like I just said, exchange it that way. But Stripling, I Jacob, you lost me there.
2: (laughs) But, like, it didn't not work in 2020. Like, they... I swear it, like it didn't work. They, it they didn't lost both games. It yeah, did but not I swear. Work. Yeah, they lost the first game two to one, and they lost like eight to three the next. They game. Lost. Yeah,
0: and the they lost. Yeah, because Taiwan Walker. It doesn't matter. Yeah, because Ryu how much got rocked, and the
2: offense was trash. Anyway, but like, here's the thing: Ross Stripling in game one it is not like. Do you want him in an elimination game? And I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that as a knock to him, but I'm saying. I would rather Manoa be in an elimination game or like a you know what I mean like a must win. I think Ross Stripling is perfect for game one. He gets you off on that right foot. He can still pitch an elimination game. I just I don't see the the issue with putting him in game one and then you rejig it depending on the the way that game one goes.
1: All right, all right, all right. Okay. Well, this is I'll I'll, I'll be I'll make it even a better conversation. I'll I'll, I'll even change it up from both of oh, you no. because I think. Well, yeah, Jacob, you got an interesting, definitely have an interesting strategy. I just think what you're proposing, without interrupting, hang on, what you're proposing <laughs> is that you know the strategy that they did in 2020. But basically, what I think Mark was trying to say, and as well as me, is that Taiwan Walker was lined up for a game that never happened, and then you're taking the same risk if you do the same thing with Ross Stripling in Game One. But here's the thing: I'm as much as I, you know, I can see. Is I can definitely see this happening in terms of a strategy where okay, you know, game two is not a must win if you win game one. For me, I would I I'm keeping it simple and I'm sending up the two best guys game one and two because I'm pitching to win the first two games, especially especially if the series is in Toronto. If it's home field, you gotta you gotta go one two. You have to go regardless if it's out of order. I'll just say I'll go Manoa Gosman game one game two and then yes, if it's a game three, we've been talking about it. We've been talking about a guy that's been stabilizing this rotation. We should feel comfortable sending out Ross Stripling in a Game 3. I would would feel comfortable with it. I mean, he's pitched well all season. He's familiar with, you know, if they play a team like the Tampa Bay Rays or whatnot. Um, I'd feel fine with sending him out for a Game 3. I think you pitch to win Game 1 and Game 2. You don't have to worry about a Game 3, kind of like how it worked against the Blue Jays in 2020, Jacob. But I think, you know... But, of course, I definitely can see a strategy, what you guys are saying. And maybe it's probably more of a realistic one that you guys are saying. But for me, if I was putting it together, I'm pitching simple. I'm trying to finish him right away with Game 1 and Game 2. And then if it gets to a Game 3 where you need a tie break, you got to go, obviously, then that would be Ross Stripling. And, of course, another guy that hasn't been even mentioned in this conversation is a guy like Jose Barrios. I mean, it's it's just finding responsibilities and finding roles for those guys. If it's a Game 3, if it's a do-or-die the Jays can go wacky with some sort of bullpen management. Maybe you involve a guy like Brios in the game. I don't know. I'm just kind of throwing out scenarios because, of course, that's a guy that we haven't mentioned at all. The other thing is I think the, the conversation or the certainty of Ross Stripling pitching won't be made, of course, until, I guess, at the end of the season in terms of riding the hotter hand is what I'm saying. Because if everything goes to plan right now, if nothing changes, you go with Ross Stripling. But what I'm saying is a guy like Jose Barrios is starting to pitch really well as well. You know, if you can, if there's a way to get him involved at some point in the series, I don't know. Ross Stripling again, Mark. I mentioned it as much as he may not be getting paid as a starting pitcher, or sorry, as a swingman. He has been a swingman before. If they go to a game three, I don't know. No. It would be no. pretty creative if you do. So- it's just something to get him involved in terms of no. my because you're throwing out a Manoa or Gosman game one or game two. That's all I'm saying. Those are your first two starters, though.
0: I thought this would cut and dry. I thought it was so <laughs> obvious. <laughs> I, I understand. Yes, I, I think I agree with you more than what I actually proposed with Gosman slash Manoa, game one and two, and just win the first two and hopefully don't go I'm to game i I'm just throwing a wacky game
1: three scenarios, yeah. Like, what?
0: So wait, so you, you, would have <laughs> you would have Jose Brio start and then have no, him come out as a swing
1: man? Uh, All I'm saying is he's been a swing man. That's all I'm oh, saying. Oh, man.
0: I guess, I okay. mean, Do you want you say fair? Who do you want pitching? No, 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 no. You say Kikuchi is not on the postseason run. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay, a lot of this depends on (laughs) what the final games of the season looks like for the Blue Jays. To be fair, who they have going out there, like if Ross Stripling pitches the final game of the season, I don't think he would. There would be enough days of rest for him to go game three, right? Because I think it's the final game. There's an off day, and then it's one, two, three, wild card. So I think he would still need an extra day of rest in order to The wild to start Card starts that.
1: the Friday, the Friday of that last week. And the week.
0: final game of the season is Wednesday, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so there's only one off day in between. So you you may have to get wacky though. Cuz there's it's three straight days, right? For the wildcard. Yes, card. it goes Friday, yeah. Saturday, Sunday. So yeah. You would have to start if whoever starts the final game of the regular season is not ready who's it would have to pitch on short rest, one day short rest to go in the in game 3. So, so maybe that's a scenario where you get wacky, where Jose Brio starts and then Ross League is a swing man because he's not on full rest. I don't know. I thought this was cut and dry. I've been. I feel for pretty a comfortable here.
1: with that. I'm not gonna lie. I'm just saying,
0: if especially if it's in Toronto with Jose, I'm just saying. that that changes everything. The Blue Jays need home field advantage, and this is. I was gonna bring up this conversation again because we've had it, but I mean, this uh, we've been derailed, but. The, <laughs> The conversation that's is more on, on, on Jacob. This is on Jacob. Because this is Jacob's fault. <laughs>
1: excuse me,
2: me. I I I gave a legitimate <laughs> oh, proposal. I did not it derail is, this. It's not legitimate. No, 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 that's wild. It's Mark's turn, Jacob. It's, it's, it's turn. No, no. Okay. Anybody that can comment anyone on YouTube, if my proposal oh. is wild, call me out and I will admit defeat.
0: It is. I guarantee you, you there are people. Game one? Why not? Like, well, if you we've would... been over it. We're not rehashing this. <laughs> the other question I was going to ask, which we no longer have time for, is, I, I mean, we—you have to be number one or three in the wild card. You cannot be number two in the wild card. Agreed. It's as simple as that. And I see you both nodding. So good. We don't have to argue about that. If you're number one, you have home field advantage. Good. Perfect. Your life is made. Done. If I you're mean, finishing two... second, would be cool. Oh, shut up. Right? I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're the runner up. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> it's like eleven ten tonight. <laughs> number one, your life is great. Number three, your life is great. You're playing Cleveland in the AL Central. It's on the road, but it's Cleveland, so your life is great. If you're number two, your life is terrible. You are either playing in Seattle with against their first postseason game in two decades with how loud that crowd gets. Uh, that would be disastrous. If you finish number two in Tampa Bay is number one, you're playing in the House of Horrors for three games, and we know how that went in 2020. Thank you very much, Taiwan Walker, leaving him for game three, Jacob. uh but uh yeah, so don't finish number two. You have to be one or three. That's that's all I was gonna say, we're all in agreement. So <laughs> I'm losing my mind. Um series predictions <laughs> three games against Baltimore. I'm traveling down to Toronto for Saturday and Sunday. Jacob, you're gonna be there with me. Bryson, we're trying to convince you to come. It's TBD. Uh series predictions three against Baltimore.
2: Well, there's no starter listed for Game One, but I know as of right now, it's looking like it's it's a bullpen day. Okay, so yeah, then there's a bullpen day. You get Perrios, and then Manoa. I mentioned this earlier, but Baltimore's playoff push or hopes are kind of kind of squash. Like the I'll say it, they're dead, they're yeah. dead. Yeah. It's Thanksgiving. Bring out the squash. You know what I mean. So, anyways, um, <laughs> I don't know where else going with that, but no, the, I I think two out of three. Two out of three is the bare minimum. I wouldn't be surprised if they sweep, honestly. And I'm not saying that as like a cocky fan. I genuinely think they they could sweep this.
1: You're the cockiest fan that we know of, so I wouldn't be surprised. But look, um you've thrown the you've we're off the, this is off the rails. I can't remember the last time we've gone off the rails like this before, so this is new <laughs> for us. Uh thanks again, Jacob, as you're laughing over there. A bullpen game, it's not ideal. Uh we talked about it. Mitch White still isn't eligible to come back up here as much as he was here as a doubleheader or as the extra guy. Um so this is kind of a situation where they have to kind of go back to what we've seen uh over the past couple of weeks with kind of throwing in Kikuchi as a bulk roll guy. Maybe Trevor Richards starts even though he pitched today on the Thursday. I don't know. Things kind of fell off the rails for them today as well, later on in the innings. It kind of complicates things for tomorrow. So I don't know how I feel about this bullpen game. I'm not confident with it, but I'll stick to two out of three like you, Jacob. I think um, there's no reason why you don't win Saturday or Sunday against this team with Barrios and Manoa going out. Tomorrow is iffy for me, but, of course, winning a bullpen game um, with the state of the bullpen, who knows what it's going to be in. That would be pretty impressive, and hopefully that can further, as you guys would say, kill the Baltimore Orioles' playoff chance because I'm just saying if they have a good series, you never know with them, but I think they're pretty much close to being done. Like you guys were mentioning,
0: two out of three. I also agree, two out of three. We're not gonna have another argument here. <laughs> uh, yeah, two. Th- I mean, are you sure though? Yeah.
2: I I mean, like they could <sighs> I mean, They could get swept. It's not uh, this two wild. of three. We're
0: ending the podcast here. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who listened to this. It's been one hell of an episode. We've had a lot of fun, as you can probably tell, and hopefully it comes across. Uh, lots of fun with the Jays going on games against Baltimore as always you can support our podcast by going to patreon.com slash section 138 pod you can support us by giving us a rating and review wherever you catch your podcast you can follow us on social media at section 138 pod you can give us a uh, subscribe to us on YouTube and uh, if you're heading to the games on Saturday or Sunday feel free to drop us a line and stop by uh, we will be I don't know where we'll be we might be in the flight deck we'll see where we're hanging out Going to be a fun series, going to be a fun weekend. We will catch you at the end of this three game set.